Hey, everybody. It is Wednesday, December 14th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Uh, Jill, we're getting through this week and the news just keeps on coming. It is an unusually busy news week for this late in December, Moshe. Why don't we get to the news, shall we? Okay, prosecutors call the collapse of FTX one of the biggest financial frauds in U.S. history as they levy charges against its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried. Some new inflation numbers show prices are ever so slightly starting to come back to earth. A new plan from Congress that would ban, you guessed it, TikTok. You've seen smoke-free buildings and restaurants. But now a country is looking to go smoke-free with a complete ban on cigarettes. And how many billions filmmaker James Cameron says the new Avatar sequel will have to make in order to break even? This will be the big story of the weekend, Jill, the the Avatar sequel, 13 years in the making. Okay, now, though, to our top story. The party is over for FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried. Federal prosecutors unsealed an eight-count indictment against him on Tuesday for a host of financial crimes, ranging from wire fraud to money laundering to conspiracy to commit fraud. The gist? Prosecutors say Bankman-Fried diverted billions of dollars from FTX customers, without their knowledge or permission, to Alameda Research, a hedge fund that he controlled. They say that starting in 2019, he devised a scheme and artifice to defraud FTX's customers and investors. He used their money to cover expenses, debts, and risky trades at his crypto hedge fund, Alameda Research, and to make lavish real estate purchases and large political donations. Bankman-Fried was arrested Monday in the Bahamas at the request of the U.S. government, if convicted of all charges, He could spend decades in jail. At a press conference Tuesday, U.S. Attorney Damian Williams called it, quote, one of the biggest frauds in American history. Moshe, talk about a fall from grace. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, Jill. By the way, you said decades in jail. In fact, one estimate has it that if he's convicted on all eight charges, he could face 115 years in prison, even for the 30-year-old. That's a lifetime sentence. Uh, Late on Tuesday, he was denied bail in the Bahamas, though the extradition could take several weeks, uh, even though there is an agreement in place between the Bahamas and the U.S. to finally get him over here. But a reminder, just a little over a month ago, before he filed for bankruptcy, he was considered in Washington, on Wall Street, this wunderkid of digital currencies, someone who could help take crypto mainstream, working with policymakers, the media, the industry, uh, all of the above. Bankman Freed was one of the world's wealthiest people on paper until recently. At one point, his net worth had reached nearly $26 billion, according to Forbes. He was a prominent personality in Washington, as I mentioned. He was donating tens of millions of dollars, mostly towards Democrats, left-leaning causes, though he also says he gave money to Republicans. There's evidence of that as well. He did give $10 million to Biden's election campaign in 2020. No comment from the White House on Tuesday on whether they'll give it back. They were setting some laws saying they couldn't comment on it. Uh, Either way, they're going to have to probably give that money back. He was the second overall largest Democratic donor to all Democrats behind the billionaire George Soros. Bankman Freed was actually in the West Wing twice this year, uh, according to White House visitor logs. Uh, It's unclear who he met with in April and in May, but he was inside the White House. There are a number of members of Congress who are already redirecting his donations uh, from him and his younger brother. Apparently, he was also getting into the donation mix. Kirsten Gillibrand and Dick Durbin are among the senators who have taken the SBF donations and redirected them now to charity. 
But rest assured here, uh, the as they unwind the SBF story here, Jill, we're going to keep uh, keep learning how wide his web of activity and how many people are implicated in all of this. Prosecutors say one of the reasons that he made those contributions that you were mentioning was to influence the direction of policies affecting cryptocurrency and that industry. The SEC said that he was basically using Alameda as his personal piggy bank. Meanwhile, the House Financial Services Committee went ahead with its planned meeting Tuesday into the collapse of FTX. We mentioned this on yesterday's podcast. Sam Bankman-Fried was supposed to testify, um, but a couple of takeaways. One, um, and this is not too surprising, the new CEO, John Ray, says FTX customers are not fully going to recover their money. He says the team's process to recover what they can will take months, not weeks. Also, um, interestingly, there was a lot of criticism, not just for SBF, but also SEC Chair Gary Gensler for not laying out clear rules for the crypto industry. One congressman, John Rose, he's a Republican from Tennessee, said, frankly, Chair Gensler has failed at his job. Now, to be clear, for anyone who's listening and thinking, well, you invest in crypto, you know, it's risky. Again, that is not what this is. This is like if you put your money in a traditional bank like Bank of America and you think it's safe and then the bank literally takes your money and uses it to make a trade or buy a building or lobby a politician. Eventually, I imagine that SBF thought that he would return that money, uh, but that's not really the point. Yeah, you got to parcel this out, though FTX made it more complicated by having their own cryptocurrency called FTT which they were able, also able to leverage money again. But yeah, to take this to take your example here further, Jill, this is like Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America, uh, having a girlfriend who runs a, a private hedge fund for him and taking Bank of America assets, shuffling it over to the private hedge fund for the girlfriend to manage, and then claiming later, like, I had no idea what was going on over there. That's really what's happening here. And I understand the SEC criticism because there were literally no laws, and that was part of... SBF's goal here and the rest of the crypto industry. Please leave us lawless. Uh, government, don't get involved here. And that was actually one of the attractions of crypto is it's unregulated, right? No government control. And that was if you have any crypto friends out there, and I know you all did, uh, who was like, get involved, get involved. It's like total alternative to the government. That was one of the perks. Now it turns out to be one of the downsides here. So Congress is getting involved. I was watching part of that hearing, Jill, as well with John Ray. He was making some comparisons to his time unwinding Enron 20 years ago, the huge energy company that uh, was completely corrupt and, and let other people go to prison and led laws to be made. So he was comparing the two. And while he called Enron's crimes highly sophisticated, he said FTX's executives appeared to just be engaged in what he called really just old fashioned embezzlement, nothing sophisticated. In fact, there was no bookkeeping, no record keeping whatsoever. And he was just shocked to find out that they were exchanging invoices on Slack, expenses on Slack, and then using QuickBooks, which he said, and I love this quote, QuickBooks, very nice tool, not for a multi-billion dollar company. For fans of the uh, show Breaking Bad, which went off the air a number of years ago, if you were a big fan, you might remember Skylar uh, using QuickBooks and being criticized in the show, being like, you guys are running way too big a company for running QuickBooks. Now imagine a $30 billion financial company. Okay, next to a major announcement that could give us a clue on how close we are to a new energy source, one that could make us less dependent on fossil fuels and eventually 
free of them altogether. The U.S. Department of Energy announced that scientists at a national lab have made a breakthrough on fusion. That is the process that powers the sun and stars that one day could provide a cheap source of electricity. The scientists working at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California recently achieved a net energy gain in a fusion reaction using lasers. Scientists have been struggling since the 1950s to harness a fusion reaction, but no group has been able to produce more energy from the reaction than it consumes to create it. That has now changed with a net energy gain. This is a necessary milestone for any society seeking what's often referred to as the holy grail of energy research, a zero-carbon energy source that produces far more power than it requires to operate and does so without power plants burning coal and natural gas, which pumps billions of tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, But what kind of timeline are we looking at here? Well, the director of the lab says probably decades. Um, In a quote, she says, quote, not six decades, I don't think. I think not five decades, which is what we used to say. I think it's moving into the foreground and probably with concerted effort and investment, a few decades of research on the underlying technologies could put us in a position to build a power plant. Said like a true scientist, Jill, like very specific, very precise, (laughs) right? Not six decades, not five. All right, let's translate that journalistically. We're in the year 2022. If it's not five decades, that puts us into the 2050s. Late 2040s, 2050s is how I would translate that. What's interesting, though, in contrast to that, Jill, you had the U.S. Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, a uh, politician, right? The former governor of Michigan, now the energy secretary under Biden. Uh, she was much more bullish in her speech. She's like, I think we could have commercial uses within a decade, one decade, 10 years, the 2030s. Um, so let's see how this goes. This is a very big deal. Uh, like you said, Jill, this is the process that powers the sun. Fusion works where you take the nuclei of two atoms and you subject them to such extreme heat that they basically become one. And when I'm talking about heat, try to get your head around this. 100 million degrees Celsius or 180 million degrees Fahrenheit using the world's biggest laser Uh, in California. You can't say that without thinking about Dr. Evil, laser beams, lasers. So (laughs) it's the world's largest laser uh, and they use them to fuse in this larger atom. The issue is, think about heating something up to 180 million degrees and the uh, energy that takes. Well, what that has meant until now is that it's taken more energy to then uh, produce the fusion reaction that then gives you slightly less energy. So not effective, right? More energy to create less energy. In this case, what is so cool here is they uh, were able to uh, use uh, a certain amount of energy but produce more energy. Uh, than it took uh, to basically fuse those two atoms together, which is pretty incredible. And the additional thing is we're very familiar with fission, right? The splitting of an atom. That's nuclear power as we've known it. This is fusion, which is taking two atoms into one. Uh, The issue with fission as we currently have it is there's radioactive waste associated with it that we have to figure out how to bury and deal with for basically millions of years. Uh, We don't have that situation with Not my problem. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's what everyone says. I mean, that's sort of like the, I I joke, but that is sort of the mentality of uh, all generations. Oh, a thousand percent, right? And that's actually been an issue with uh, nuclear waste for years. It's like, where do we bury it? And we bury it somewhere where there aren't many people. Uh, It'll be their problem at some point. I don't want to have to deal with it. How long will it take to leak? I'll be dead by then, right? Which Which is generally the problem with humanity is we can only really look at like the next 10 years 
Uh, anything beyond that just seems like, well, that's too crazy. I can't think about that. Either way, this is the number that got to me, Jill. If humans can harness the power of fusion at an industrial scale, so if we're going to believe the scientists, the 2040s, maybe the 2050s, it could technically create a virtually limitless source of clean energy that could generate 4 million times more energy than burning coal or oil. As someone joked to me in the DMs on Instagram, if I'm one of the scientists working on the fusion, uh, I, I need to be on the lookout for uh, a hired gun from Exxon <laughs> trying to come <laughs> for me. All right, Jill, we have a lot more news to get to, but I want to get to our sponsors this week. Let's begin with Bull & Branch, the bedding and sheet brand. They are extending a special deal going into Christmas for Mo News listeners. If this all sounds familiar, you may have seen Moshe's Instagram ad. He and Alex in bright royal blue t-shirts in bed. And if you were wondering, what are they doing? <laughs> This is it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jill. Clearly, clearly the ad had an impact on you. It and, did. I was mindlessly scrolling. And, and then I noticed you and Alex in bed in these blue t-shirts. And I'm like, what is, what are they up to? We're hawking sheets. <laughs> we're hawking sheets, Jill. So uh, what's, what's incredible here is Bull and Branch took notice of a conversation that we had on the Instagram thread uh, last month. Uh, and is offering a special deal to everyone who is listening to this podcast. It includes 20% off plus free shipping. As Jill just mentioned, my wife and I got a new set of sheets, uh, duvet covers, uh, pillow covers, etc. And what's incredible about the Bolin brand sheets is they get softer after every wash. And so if you're looking for a gift right now for yourself or a loved one this holiday season, a reminder, we spend about a third of our lives in bed, so sheets are a big deal. And so as you do your holiday shopping, this is the opportunity to give a better night's sleep to yourself or your loved ones. Uh, best of all, Bull & Branch is giving everyone a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all orders. And uh, you can get their signature sheets right now in a beautiful holiday gift box. So this is the deal. For a limited time, get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code MONEWS to give the gift of a better night's sleep to your friends and family. And there is another great deal, Joel, that I want to tell Mo News listeners about as we head into the holiday season. It is actually a partner uh, that I use literally every day, Athletic Greens. Their AG1 all-in-one vitamin is a must as we head into and try to get through cold and flu season. I've been using the Athletic Greens AG1 powder for a couple months now. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning, and that's it. The experience is simple, affordable, and I'm feeling an extra boost of energy every day. Athletic Greens was actually created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It was actually costing about 100 bucks a day. So as they say, necessity is the mother of invention, and the AG1 powder contains 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals, and pre and probiotics to support your gut health. And here is the best news. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs. You can visit athleticgreens.com backslash monews take advantage of this offer you can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it one time for just a month again athleticgreens.com backslash mo news for this special deal to really start to take ownership of your health time now for the speed read let's start with some good news when it comes to inflation this headline from cnbc consumer prices rose less than expected in november 
the latest sign that runaway inflation that's been gripping the economy is starting to loosen up. The Labor Department reported that the Consumer Price Index, which measures a wide basket of goods and services, rose just 0.1% from the previous month and increased 7.1% from a year ago. We should note that this is still extremely elevated. The Fed's target for healthy inflation is about 2%, but uh, we were at about 9% over the summer. Moshe, I saw on your Instagram page that you included a tweet from your favorite economics reporter, Heather Long, breaking down her big takeaways from Tuesday's report. Jill, is it even a economic report on my Instagram feed if I haven't included a tweet from Heather Long of the Washington Post? I just think she does such a good job of like taking these really complex reports from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and being like, here are the four things you need to know. So inflation is cooling. It was up to 9% in June, 7% in November. So still up, still elevated, but starting to come down. Gas price is actually down. It is was less to buy gas last month than the previous month. Utilities down, used cars down, airfare down. Um, goods prices are largely down, as I said, or slowing down. Groceries still slightly higher, but not increasing at the pace they were. And then high rents right now are the major problem. And it is unclear how long that rental issue will continue to last for folks. The problem with rents is that that's considered pretty sticky, meaning that once rent prices go up, it's hard for them to go down. So unless you have an event like the pandemic, most landlords are not lowering rent. Perhaps it won't go up as quickly, but you, you're seldom going to find a landlord who just, you know, for the fun of it is going to lower the rent. Food prices, we should note, and this one hits me very hard because I go to the supermarket, I buy three things and I'm like $50 in the hole. Um, they were up 0.5% and they are up 10.6% from a year ago. A lot of money. Um, the big question though, what does this mean for the Fed when it comes to interest rates? Yeah, so the Fed began its two-day policy meeting yesterday. Today, we're going to find out how much they'll be hiking interest rates. Keep in mind, they've already raised interest rates six times this year. Right now, the markets are expecting a 0.5% uh, increase, regardless of Tuesday's reading. I was struck by this quote, uh, Paul Ashworth, who works over Capital Economics, he's the chief economist over there, uh, wrote a note that was titled, uh, quote, stick a fork in it, inflation is done. I love that. <laughs> I hope he's right. I, I, I don't know that. Well, well, all these economists need to find a way to like make these really complicated economic concepts interesting and relevant. So I think you're like, okay, chief economist of capital economics, stick a fork in it. Inflation is done. Of course, inflation is still 7%. Um, and what he says in his note is the Fed could dismiss the better than expected October as just one month's data. But now the slowdown in November, these latest numbers for another month, uh, makes this new disinflationary trend harder to miss. Uh, President Biden was asked about the report on Tuesday at the White House. Mr. President, when can we expect prices to get back to normal? And he said, I hope by the end of next year we're much closer, but I can't make that prediction. Uh, Biden finally learning his lesson on not making predictions on inflation. Last year, uh, him and his whole team, for the most part, were dismissing it. I think this go around, they're uh, cautiously optimistic. This from Reuters is an experimental cancer vaccine from Moderna based on mRNA technology used in successful COVID-19 vaccines has been shown to work against melanoma, sending Moderna shares more than 20% higher and driving up other biotechs that are working on similar treatments. A combination of Moderna's cancer vaccine given post-surgery after the removal of tumors 
and Merck's blockbuster immunotherapy drug, Keytruda, cut the risk of recurrence or death of the most deadly skin cancer by 44%. That is compared to uh, just treating patients with the drug alone. The result was considered a statistically significant and clinically meaningful improvement, according to the companies. And the study is the first randomized trial to show that combining mRNA vaccine technology with a drug that revs up the immune response would offer a better result for melanoma patients and potentially for other cancers. And most, the way that it works is really fascinating. I I know we're getting really into science on this podcast today. Um, This is actually a personalized vaccine. Yeah, it's not often that we try to explain fusion energy and the future of energy supply and now uh, cancer drugs, but it is a pretty remarkable day for science. Yay, science here. Uh, This Merck-Moderna collaboration is one of several combining powerful drugs that unleash your immune system to target cancers with mRNA vaccine technology. They are designed to target highly mutated tumors. So the duo here, Merck and Moderna, have been partnering since 2016, so for more than six years now, with a focus on cancer. Merck is the dominant player for therapies, but these phase two results now of this test are the first promising for any cancer vaccine. So to build a vaccine, researchers took samples of the patient's tumors and healthy tissue. After analyzing the samples to decode their genetic sequence and isolate mutant proteins associated only with the cancer, that information was used to design a tailor-made cancer vaccine. So again, they're taking your tumor genetic sequence and basically devising a uh, fighter's soldiers to take on that tumor. So when it's then injected into the patient, as you noted, after surgery, the patient's cells act as a manufacturing plant, producing perfect copies of the mutation for the immune system to now recognize and destroy that tumor if it tries to come back. Moderna's personalized vaccine can be made in about eight weeks, a time frame they eventually try to have. They want to be able to produce this in four weeks, according to the announcement. As for what's next, they're going to look ahead to do more studies in 2023 with a larger group and then look at other cancers beyond melanoma. So this is a very exciting breakthrough. From CNN, U.S. lawmakers introduce a bill to ban TikTok from operating in the United States. This new bill by Senator Marco Rubio, the top Republican on the Senate Intelligence Committee and a bipartisan pair of congressmen in the House, reflects the latest escalation by U.S. policymakers against the Chinese-owned short-form video app. TikTok has faced doubts about its ability to safeguard U.S. user data from the Chinese government. So the proposed legislation would block and prohibit all transactions in the United States by social media companies with at least 1 million monthly users that are based in or under the substantial influence of countries that are considered foreign adversaries. We're talking about China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Cuba, and Venezuela. The bill specifically names TikTok and its parent ByteDance as social media companies for the purposes of this legislation. So this is the uh, latest in TikTok troubles, part 114 here over the course of the past few years. <laughs> By the way, that and, and am I the only one who's reading this and thinking, okay, great, but TikTok's never going to be banned here? And that's the question, right? Is this ultimately a power play? Um, ultimately, is this just a political move by Rubio and a few congressmen to like get some attention uh, and, and win over some constituents? We shall see. This comes as a whole bunch of Republican governors in a number of states recently have introduced state-level restrictions on TikTok uh, on government devices. We saw this in uh, the Dakotas, saw this in Maryland recently, um, and Utah. 
We also discussed last week the lawsuit by Indiana, Jill, that alleges the TikTok algorithm is designed to addict young users, promote harmful content that isn't appropriate for kids. We've talked about how the version of TikTok that kids get here in the U.S. is different than the healthy broccoli uh, style TikTok that uh, Chinese kids get. And so... Yes, so they get t- they get spinach, um, and then we basically get ding dongs or uh, Twinkies. I think the expert who was analyzing it on sixty minutes actually called it opium that they get, <laughs> or that they get uh, brock, they get spinach, broccoli. I don't know; they're all healthy. Brussels sprouts, something really healthy, is what the kids get over there with uh, science experiments, etc. And the kids over here are getting really inappropriate stuff too. Uh, and so, some politicians and lawmakers and government officials are like. This is a Chinese influence campaign generations long to dumb down America and basically mess up our youth. And so they're taking it very seriously. And all of this uh, action on Capitol Hill, whether we'll see a ban or not, is in question, does come as negotiations have been ongoing between the U.S. Department of Justice, the White House, and TikTok to try to ensure that U.S. data, that the data of all U.S. users is preserved here in the U.S. and the Chinese government does not have access to it. And they're trying to get to the bottom of the algorithm. So you have this negotiation that's happening on the federal level uh, via the White House at the executive level. Then you have people on Capitol Hill who are impatient about this being like, let's just ban it for now until we can figure that part out. Um, TikTok, for its part, has said that it does not share information with the Chinese government. Uh, that's been uh, in doubt based on some reporting that's been done. But that's TikTok's official stance, though they are open to these no- negotiations. I wonder whether this move by Rubio and Congress, knowing that Republicans are taking over the House, this is more likely in the next Congress, whether this will push them to finally make the moves and the concessions that the um, Justice Department is looking for. From The Guardian, New Zealand passes a world-first tobacco law to ban smoking for the next generation. New Zealand's introduced a steadily rising smoking age to stop those aged 14 and under from ever being able to legally buy cigarettes. A health minister there says thousands of people will live longer, healthier lives, and the health system will be $5 billion better off from not needing to treat the illnesses caused by smoking. New Zealand's believed to be the first country in the world to implement the annually rising smoking age, ensuring that tobacco cannot be sold to anyone born on or after January of 2009. We want to make sure young people never start smoking. So we're going to make it an offense to sell or supply smoked tobacco products to new cohorts of youth. People aged 14, when the law comes into effect, will never be able to legally purchase tobacco, according to that health minister. Yeah, so while they're 14 now, imagine in 20 years when they're 34, still banned. When they're 54, (laughs) still banned. And that's the idea here is that basically uh, your SOL, if uh, you were born in 2009 or later in New Zealand, you will never be able to buy a cigarette. They're trying to make the country smoke free. Apparently, it's going to be combined with a whole slew of other measures, including uh, reducing the legal amount of nicotine in tobacco products, uh, forcing them to only be sold in specialty tobacco stores rather than corner stores or supermarkets. The number of stores in New Zealand that will be allowed to sell cigarettes are going to be reduced by about 90% from 6,000 to 600. The goal is to make the country smoke-free by 2025 in just about two years. All right, Joe, let's end the speed read here with the latest from Variety. Expectations are sky high for the rollout of the Avatar sequel opening in theaters this weekend. 
One of the big questions is how expensive is Avatar The Way of Water? That's the name of the sequel. Uh, right now, early reports have claimed the production budget alone just to produce the movie was in the $250 million range. But director James Cameron isn't willing to give out a hard number. The only answer Cameron would give in a recent interview about the budget with GQ magazine was the following. Very effing expensive. He didn't say effing. He said the full <laughs> word. <laughs> Cameron apparently told Disney and 20th Century Studio executives that his sequel budget was so high, it represented, quote, the worst business case in movie history. And yet they said yes. According to the director's estimates, you have to be the third or fourth highest grossing film in history. That's your threshold. That's your break even point. So on the current chart of highest grossing movies worldwide, unadjusted for inflation, Cameron's original 2009 Avatar ranks at the top with $2.9 billion. It brought in $2.9 billion. Then Avengers Endgame, second with $2.7 billion. Uh, Titanic, also James Cameron, $2.1 billion. That means if we're working off of his numbers, and he would know well, he has two of the top three highest grossing movies of all time. Avatar, The Way of Water, if it wants to break even, will have to hit $2 billion. That feels unnecessarily like a high bar. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to set that up for myself. We have seen, I mean, like, listen, Top Gun hit a billion this year. Uh, keep in mind, those were unadjusted for inflation. If you take the original Avatar movie, it's probably closer to $4 billion. So there is a way here. And given what's going on in the movie market right now, I do feel like it's one of those films now, Jill, where you sort of have that higher bar now to go out to the theater to see it. But given Avatar technology and the visuals, et cetera, this does feel like a film you're going to want to head out and see on a big screen. And certainly James Cameron is a director who knows how to do sequels, right? He directed some of the best sequels ever made that many, you say, have actually surpassed the original film. We're talking 1986's Aliens, 1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Cameron now back with that sequel uh, for the first time in 31 years, and it comes 13 years after the original. And apparently this is not it. Uh, he has a couple more Avatar sequels planned and these in much more rapid succession. Allegedly, the third film will come in 2024 and the fourth film in 2026. So a much tighter time frame there. We'll be interesting to see the numbers. I imagine they will be huge these uh, coming weekends. Uh, I imagine he's probably hoping that China, good news for him, that China opened up because that is a huge, huge film market. Um, but I remember how remarkable the first Avatar was 13 years ago, Jill, in terms of the visuals, technology. Think about how much further technology has come over the course of the past decade. So I'm, uh, I'm actually excited to see this one. Okay, Mosh, you could tell me how it is, okay? <laughs> not, I, I, not totally I, my thing. Jill, I'll tell you how it is uh, <laughs> when I see it. Uh, rest assured, I will discuss it on the podcast without giving away any spoilers and see if I can convince you to see it if, in fact, I think it lived up to expectations. Sounds good. All right, before we go on this day in history, I got a couple factoids for you, Jill. 111 years ago today, in 1911, Norwegian Roald Amundsen became the first person to reach the South Pole. Pretty cool. In fact, uh, a more modern version, a team is headed there right now this month. A father-son uh, team is headed back to the South Pole this month. So we're going to track that soon. I was actually trying to get an interview with them. A couple other on this day's 75 years ago today, the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, also known as NASCAR, was founded in Daytona Beach. So happy 75th birthday to NASCAR. And our musical historical note today, Jill, 54 years ago today, December 14th, 1968, I Heard It Through the Grapevine by Marvin Gaye reached number one on the Billboard charts. 
I heard it through the grape. Yes, singing with me. Yes, I did. I did it with you. So, somebody uh, on the gram DM'd me saying, "You gotta let Jill sing. Why won't you let <laughs> Jill sing?" <laughs> <laughs> We're not all on Broadway. Jill's voice is fine. Oh, so, God, that's so know, funny. I, uh, I just want you to know, Jill, that you, you have a growing fan base out there looking to hear your voice. You know what? Sometimes it, it's not even a conscious decision. Sometimes I just hear the lyrics to something and I can't help it, Mosh. It just gets in my blood and I got to sing. Obviously, a huge song by Gay back in the late 60s uh, was a big hit. And then there's a revival in the 90s. I, I recall those uh, Raisin Bran ads starring their mascots, the California Raisins, singing I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Dude, dude, dude. I, I don't know. Is that even how you do it? <laughs> it sounds like most songs from the 60s, Jill. Yeah, there's snapping. Uh, there's a little, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Snapping and swaying and- Cereal mm-hmm. ads, man. And then you read the back of the cereal box. You got the free stuff. It was a different era back then. Oh, the good old days. Yes, the good old days. We try our best to remind folks of, of those good old days, the 1990s. With that, I want to thank all of you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Please follow or subscribe to the show on whatever app you're on. It's usually just one button there in the top right corner, depending on what app you're on. It'll ensure you don't miss a single episode. Please also take a moment to review us in the App Store. It actually helps us continue to grow the podcast, increase its reach. Those reviews really do make a difference. So we appreciate all of you who have done so, so far. And those of you who could take a moment today or this week to do it. And don't forget for all 24-7 coverage to follow uh, us over on Instagram, the Mo News account over there at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H for 24-7 coverage. We will see everyone back here tomorrow. Bye, everyone.